You're listening to The River Walk, a ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today's message, we're going to focus on worship, true worship in the midst of all circumstances. And we're going to use the example of King David in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 12. Hope you enjoy. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, if you have it, to the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Uh, This is a pretty familiar little story. We read this uh, a lot of times. I know I've preached from it before. I want to look at it a little bit different this morning. Before I begin, can I just share with you how much I love this church? I, I love coming to church. I really really do. There's so many things I love about coming to church. And this church in particular, every week, every week it's like a mini family reunion. I don't see most of you during the week. So coming to church on Sunday morning and Sunday evening, it's just a great experience. I love visiting. I love catching up with my friends, my church family. I love to to sing the songs. I love when we meet for Sunday school in the back. The small groups we have. I love it when somebody surprises us with donuts. Lester or Bubba or Mandy or whoever. Whoever wants to do it next week, it'd be a great time. I love it. I love love seeing Jeremiah's face when he sees Mr. John. I like meeting in the back and and having coffee with George Ray and and talking to Miss Annette. I like being one of the first ones here in the morning. I like standing in the back and talking to Jackie Ray about hunting and hearing about the white deer on the trail camera. I like talking to Jim about motorcycle riding and all that stuff. I don't know nothing about farming, but I like keeping up with the harvest. It's interesting to me. And all those things are so great. And I imagine, you know, if you don't like that sort of stuff, that's okay. And if you do, that's great. But I just feel led this morning to remind us That's not why we come to church. That's not why this building was made. Now, all that is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, and I don't want to stop it. But we're supposed to come to church to worship. We're here to worship the one true God. This is a house of worship. And as believers, we should never, ever miss an awesome opportunity to worship the one true God. When I first started coming here, me and Carissa, I never really told Carissa or anybody that for this matter, but I noticed the bulletin that Mr. John makes, and I don't know when when the layout started, but I really like the layout of our bulletin. Right there in big, bold letters, right under the morning worship, it says, Enter to Worship. It doesn't say, Enter to drink coffee, enter to talk about anything else, enter to worship. It doesn't matter the the kind of week we've had, it doesn't matter good week or bad week, good harvest, bad harvest, saints win, saints lose, saints lose, we're here to worship. And I want to talk to you about worship this morning. I want to talk to you about coming to God's house to worship. And I want to talk to you through the lens of looking at, at King David. This is King David. I imagine this is probably, probably one of King David's worst week, worst weeks of his whole life. Probably the worst week of his whole life. And I want you to kind of put yourself in King David's shoes. 
This is David. This is the one that slayed Goliath with a rock, with a slingshot. This is the one, a mighty warrior. But he's also a very flawed man. We know the story of David committing adultery, conspiring to murder. The Lord sent Nathan to talk to David. And the story that I want to pick up starts in verse 15. After Nathan has a talk with David, a scolding basically. He told David that, hey, your son, your young son's about to die. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 15. It says, Then Nathan departed his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Verse 18, Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes. And he went to the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servant said to him, What is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept for I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. What a... What a picture of faith. What a picture of grief. Can you just imagine knowing that the Lord told you your son's going to die, your young, your young child, it says a child, fasting for seven days, not eating, not getting off the ground. And then hearing, then hearing that he's dead. And what does David do? It's very interesting what David does. In verse 20, he arose from the ground. He washed and anointed himself. He changed his clothes and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. He went to the house of the Lord and worshiped. I consider my job, at least on Sunday mornings, if I could do one thing on Sunday mornings, my goal, my goal is that everybody here would leave different than when they came in. I hope you leave getting stuff off your chest. I hope you leave at peace. I hope you leave knowing that you're better than you were when you walked in. And that's what happened to David. David went in hungry. David went in after a week of fasting. And David didn't go for any other reason but to worship. And then you see, right, in the same verse, after he worshiped, then he went to his own house and he requested that they set food before him and he ate. So David went in one way and he went out a different way. You know, a lot of people ask me, and they've correctly observed, that why is it when somebody comes to church, 
Somebody makes a profession of faith. It's, it's just, it happens so often. It's bothersome. Somebody joins the church. Somebody gets baptized. And that's the last we ever see them. That's, that's a true observation. And it breaks my heart. But you know what I think it is whenever I studied? I think somewhere along the way, we've redefined God's house. You know, we've defined God's house not as a house of worship anymore. We've defined it as a house of evangelism. This is where you come and you bring your lost children. This is where you come and you bring your lost, your lost friends, your lost parents even. And this is where they hear the gospel. And this is where they make a profession of faith. And whether they come back or not, that's on them. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I hope, I hope you bring your lost friends and family here. I hope they come here and hear the gospel. And Lord knows, I hope they make a profession of faith. But if that's the only reason we have this house, why would they come back? If that's the message we're sending, that this is a house of evangelism, that this is a house for the lost, well, the message being implied, well, once I make a profession of faith, it's over. Once I've been baptized, it's over. It's not a house of worship. Not a house, I'm sorry, it's not a house for the lost. You might think, well, this is a house of prayer. Well, this is a house where the lost are welcome, and this is a house where we can lift up prayers. But at the end of the day, it's really not a house of prayer either. It's a house of worship. And here's something that gets really dangerous. Whose house is it? I caught myself this week, I referred to this church, to this house, as my church. I refer to you all as my church family. But David didn't do that. It's clear right here that there was two houses, the house of the Lord, then his own house. So while we're talking about houses, I've been blessed since I've been here. I've been to many of y'all's houses. I've dined at a lot of y'all's tables. I visited with your children. I played video games, Tricia and Lester's. I've swam in some of your pools. It's been a great time. But suppose, suppose for a second, as an illustration, suppose some of you invite me over to your house. Invite me over for dinner. And I come to your house and I sit down at the table. And I have a problem with the way you serve the food. Now, I like fried chicken, but you didn't fry it long enough. So I say, you know what? You need to go back and do this over again. Suppose you invite me over, and then one of your children comes over, and I don't like that child. I've had a bad experience with one of your child before. Or maybe I don't even know your child. Maybe I'm just offended by his or her tattoos. Maybe they look different than I like. And I ask you to tell them to leave. How would that fly? Think about it this morning. I'd have no right to do that, would I? I'd have no right. I know how that would fly. You'd say, no, this is my child. You need to leave. No, this is how we cook dinner at my house. Eat it or don't eat it. Well, why do we do the same thing in God's house? We come to church. Well, you know what? I don't really like the hymns. I'd rather sing praise music. Well, I don't like who was here last Sunday. I don't think we should be reaching the tattooed person. I don't think we should be reaching that lost person because their sin's different than me. You know what? There's, there's all kinds of things. I don't like the way Brother Kevin preaches. I don't like the Sunday school teacher. I don't like the way we did vacation Bible school. 
And if we're not careful, it becomes our house. This house doesn't belong to Liddyville, and really it doesn't belong to the members of Beth River Baptist Church. It doesn't matter if you tithe more than anybody else. This house is the Lord's house. And I consider myself your shepherd, your pastor. But at the end of the day, my boss is perfect. My boss is the Lord's boss, so I have to. I have to preach what he tells me to preach. I have to welcome who he would welcome. And I have to treat his house as his house. And that's what David did. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Because see, when you enter God's house and you expect to encounter God, it makes the difference. It makes a difference in worship. Right here in the bulletin, it says, enter to worship. How you enter this house makes a difference. Every Sunday, just as David did here, he climbed to Mount Moriah to enter this temple for one purpose, and that was to worship. Can you imagine? It says on the seventh day, just a horrible week for him, and he says, I'm going to go and worship. I don't care what's going on in the temple. I don't care what's going on in my life. I am entering to worship. Folks, if you're coming for any other reason... And this is a church that welcomes sinners. This is a church that welcomes talking about deer hunters. This is a church that welcomes talking about the harvest. And I love to see you, and I love to fellowship with you. But if you're entering for those reasons, I want to tell you, you're not going to leave changed. Your your experience at church, your experience during the week is greatly hindered. I'm begging with you, I'm pleading with you, starting next week, don't come for just attendance sake. Don't come for just friendship sake. Don't come for just family sake. Because you're doing yourself a great disservice if you are. I mean, look at the change that happened in David's life. He went mourning the loss of his son. And he left that house of worship ready to eat, ready to start over. How do we enter to worship? Brother Kevin, how do you enter to worship? Can I tell you this morning I had a hard time? I had a hard time this morning. I got here. The computer wasn't ready because I was busy this last week. Carissa dressed Jeremiah this morning, and it was a cute outfit, don't get me wrong, but that outfit is the most complicated outfit in the world. And wouldn't you know it, while I'm in the midst of doing all that, that he had a dirty diaper that smelled horrible, I had to take him in my office, take my suit off, it was a bad experience. But you know what, I had to put that aside and realize that I am here to worship Pray before you come in. Start the day off with a cup of coffee and prayer. Those children that you're having a hard time getting ready, take a minute and thank God for the blessing of those children. Man, when you look at how much God's blessed you, even with the children with the nasty, dirty diaper, thank Lord we have diapers to put on Him. Get ready to enter to worship. We should come here ready to worship. Reflect on what's happened since the last time you've entered God's house. It's been a busy week. First week of school. A lot of stuff's happened since last week. Think about what's happened. The good, the bad, and give it to the Lord. Think about who you are and who God is. I could tell you this morning that many times that our worship depends on how our week went. But that shouldn't be the case. Our worship shouldn't depend on our week. Our worship should be on God and God alone. This was a week for David. In verse 18 it says, On the seventh day, 
It doesn't matter what happened this week. God is still God. You are still you. He should be worshipped in all circumstances. It doesn't matter who's in God's house. It doesn't matter who, who's not in God's house. It doesn't matter if every pew's filled or every pew is empty. This is a house of worship, and how you enter matters. If you read down through the bulletin, I, I love how it says worship with tithes and offerings. And I know, I know, I know y'all probably get sick of me mentioning this. But let me tell you something. You are robbing yourself of a great blessing if you don't give something. And can I tell you this morning that, that every, every child of God, every church member worships through offering? Offering, it, it doesn't mean, it doesn't have to mean just money. We've got children here who, who don't have jobs, who've given their life to Jesus Christ. What are you offering? It's a worship through offering. True worship comes through sacrifice. Paul said in the New Testament that he beseeches you to, to give your body as a sacrifice to God. Here, God, I'm offering you. I don't have any money to offer you, but here's some of my goods. I'm going to give this to you. Here's some of my time. You've given to me, I'm going to give back to you. I'm offering my body as a living sacrifice. Boy, this looks good or that looks good. But you know what? I, I might do like, like David did. I'm going to fast to be closer to you. Lord, I'm offering my obedience to whatever you'd have me do. And I'm going to go wherever you would have me go. Man, worship comes through offering too. You know, the thing about worship, we make it so, so difficult, but true worship, true worship should come easy to those who have accepted God's grace and forgiveness. It's easy to, to say thank you to somebody who's given you a lot. It's easy to, to respect somebody who's sacrificed for you. And I look at this story, and I, I just can't even imagine what that must have been like for David. And, you, and remember, you can go up and read before, this son didn't just die from any sickness. This son died because of what David did. Nathan said, David, because of you, your son's going to die. He fasted. He prayed, God, change your mind. Please change your mind. He didn't change your mind. And he still got up and worshiped God on the seventh day. How could he do that? How could David do such a thing? I mean, it blew his servants' minds how he could do such a thing. But can I tell you, David may have lost his son, but he still had a heavenly hope. He said that, that his son couldn't come to him, but he can go to his son. Man, can you say that this morning? Can you say that this morning? If you can say that, well, man, you've got reason to worship. You've got a hope, a hope that the world does not have. Listen, I think, I think President Trump's doing a great job, but I sure would hate to know that my hope rested in him. I've got a hope that one day I won't have to worry about losing a loved one. I've got a hope that one day I won't have to worry about sickness. I've got hope for eternity. Man, that is reason to worship. David probably worshiped by thanksgiving. He was placed where he was by a holy God. He went from a shepherd to a king of Israel because of God. Can I tell you this morning, if you're a born-again believer, you went from sinner to saint. 
And while sin still has its consequences, nothing can change that. Oh, worship. Praise Him this morning. Thank you, Lord, for His blessings on us. And I've said it at least one time this morning already. How do I know that worship has, has occurred? How do I know that I've worshipped the Lord? How do I know that, that I'm leaving better than I came in? Because when worship has occurred... When true worship has occurred, we leave changed. I mean, just look at what a change. His, his servants saw that. And, and in Acts, it says that David was a man after God's own heart. He went into the house of the Lord after fasting. And by the way, David considered the house of the Lord something special. He, he washed his clothes. He anointed his head. This wasn't just any place he was going. He was going to the very house of the Lord. He worshipped. Then when he left, he went to his own house. And he left changed. I hope this morning that you leave changed. I know I leave different than I come in on Sunday morning. And it doesn't matter. It does not matter the songs that have been selected. It doesn't matter who sings the special music. It doesn't matter who I see and who I, who I don't see. It doesn't matter how many pews are full. It doesn't matter if we have an organ player and a piano player or if we just have a tape recorder. It does not matter because I'm here in God's house to seek the face of the Lord. Our culture today, we've got things so mixed up. We, we pick our churches by the praise band, by, by the music. We pick, pick our churches by the, by the preacher. That's not what David did. David said, I'm going to the house of the Lord. I'm going to where God is. Now, God might speak through every charismatic preacher in the world. God might speak through a praise band. God might lead you to worship different than me, and all that is fine. But you know what? If, if I just wanted to get together and talk about deer hunting, I can go to the hunting camp for that. If I just wanted to get together and talk about LSU, I can go to the ball game for that. If I just wanted to get together and drink coffee, I can go to the donut shop for that. Why don't people come to church anymore? Because they don't see it as a house of worship. They see it as a house of coffee drinkers. They see it as a house of gossip. They see it as a house of just of, of evangelism. But this is a house where the Lord dwells, and we need to start treating it as such. God blesses those who worship. Go read the Psalms and you'll see over and over again this man after God's own heart praised the Lord, sung to the Lord. And he may have had a great voice. He may have had a horrible voice. He may have been around people he loved. He may have been around people he hated. But he praised and worshipped the Lord. God delights in our worship. And he could do that because he had reason to worship in all circumstances. There's a difference between thanksgiving and worship. Anybody can give thanksgiving. Anybody can give thanksgiving. I can look back on my life and, hey, it's easy to come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for, for my vehicles. Thank you, Lord, for my house. Thank you, Lord, for my family. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But what happens when all that's gone? Because let me tell you something. One day it will be. What happens when your child is gone like David's child was gone. What happens when mom's gone, when dad's gone? What happens when your finances get gone and the, the economy collapses? It could happen tomorrow. What happens when a hurricane comes and it wipes the harvest out? 
What happens when tragedy strikes and you really, literally don't think you've got nothing to be thankful for? Can you still worship? Because let me tell you, there's people in this world who don't have clothes, who don't have a job, who don't have anything, who don't even have the freedom to worship, but they find a way do you have reason to worship in all circumstances? And the last part about this bulletin that I love, it says, depart to serve. You know what? We, we So many times we leave this place and we don't even pay attention to that. We, we pay attention to the invitation. But those are three important words, depart to serve. It is so much easier to depart to serve after you've worshipped. After you've encountered the Lord. After you realize this is this house and my eyes ain't on the little child making a noise. My eyes aren't on my neighbor. My eyes aren't on the, the music. My eyes are on the Lord. You've encountered and then you are ready to go and serve because you know who you're serving. It makes a difference. How you enter, how you worship makes a difference. And guess what? It makes a difference to the Lord too. I don't think it's any accident the way this story goes. Let's read the next few verses. In, in chapter 12, verse 24, it says, Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife. Which, by the way, think about that. Before he comforted Bathsheba, before he went to his wife, he went to the Lord first. You want a picture of a biblical marriage? You go to the Lord first. And then, then maybe you can comfort your wife. But he went... And he comforted Bathsheba, his wife. He went into her, lay with her. She bore him a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him, and he sent word by the way of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. And the rest is history. Solomon was the wisest man, and Solomon made a new house of the Lord. God, the consequences of sin is, is rough sometimes. And sometimes God changes his mind. I believe that. And sometimes he don't. But he is still God. He's still on his throne. And he's to be worshipped. And God loves the praise of his people. And God can replace anything he's taken. I mean, just look at that. He, he took one son and he replaced Solomon. That's not to say that David didn't hurt. That's not to say that David didn't cry. But David knew who was in control. And he went to him to worship. This morning, do you have reason to worship? I hope you enjoyed today's episode and today's message about worship. Look, we all have different circumstances going on, but we all have a call, a call to worship. Our Creator is so worthy of worship. I ask you this morning, do you have a house of worship? Are you going to a house of worship? If you're physically able to, you should do that, and there is no excuse not to. David went to God's house and worshiped even after losing his infant son. I encourage you this week, find a house, find a Bible-believing church, a house of worship, and go and worship the one true king. Thanks. I hope to see you soon. Have a great week.